Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Michael Brandvold, and of course, I'm joined by Jay Gilbert. How are you doing this Thursday, Jay? I can doing see, well. I can see the sun Finally. and blue sky. If we haven't seen that for days. We've, we've been having these fires and smoke, and our houses have been filled with this orange tint. And today, the uh, as George Harrison sang, here comes the sun. It's like, oh, all of a sudden, this is what I loved about California. Yeah. The beautiful blue skies, the cool breeze. Yeah, you know, knock on wood, because there'll probably be a wildfire by the end of the day. But, <laughs> but anyway, you know, it's a big contrast from a week ago. Yeah. Uh, before we get into this week's guest, quick shout out to Hypebot and Bands in Town for all their you, support. Bruce. And, of course, Banzoogle.com, built by musicians for musicians. Banzoogle is an all-in-one platform that makes it easy to build a beautiful website and EPK for your music. Banzoogle powers the websites for tens of thousands of musicians around the world, from weekend warriors to Grammy winners. All the features you need for a professional website are already built in, including hosting and a custom domain name. Dozens of fully customizable design templates, tools to sell your music and merch commission-free, commission-free crowdfunding and fan subscription features, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, of course, social media integrations, and amazing live tech support from their musician-friendly team seven days a week. So we put together a cool little offer for all of our listeners. Head over to bandzoogle.com. Try it for free for 30 days and use the promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY, all one word, MUSICBIZWEEKLY, when you check out, and you will get 15% off the first year of any subscription. And, of course, DiscMakers.com. We know it's a digital world, but there's still an important role for physical media for today's independent musicians. Yep. Digital royalty payments are so small that selling products like CD, vinyl, T-shirts at gigs and, on, on, and online has become an important income generator. For every CD you sell, you might need roughly 3,000 streams to make the same amount of money, and that's a lot of streams. Our friends at Disc Makers are the place to go for your discs and other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and even t-shirts. So head over to discmakers.com, place an order for 100 or more CDs, and when you check out, use the promo code FREEBIZ, all one word, FREEBIZ, and you'll save up to $150 in shipping costs. Awesome. So real quick, Jay, because we got about three minutes here before we get to our guest. Let's just make a real quick acknowledgement of the Facebook live streaming fiasco that happened over the last week where everybody saw the articles that were starting to come out that said Facebook was going to start shutting down bands, profiles, live streams of any band playing any music. And immediately I was like, no, that is not true. People calm down, relax, read what's going on. They've, they've since clarified it. And, and, and basically this is all about copyrights. This is good for you as a musician. This is good because Facebook has never had copyright systems in place like YouTube has had. 
they're, they're getting there. They don't even have monetization in place like YouTube. And I can tell you as a, cre you, as a video creator, all of us creators are like, Facebook, when are you going to allow us to monetize our videos that, that we're throwing up there? You're making ads off of it. You're doing, when can we monetize it like YouTube? When are you going to give musicians the same control that YouTube gives you to say, my song is used, shut this down, let them use it, let them use it, let me collect the revenue. This is what Facebook is doing is all moving towards that. That's it's, right. It's there all so about much, copyrights. Yeah, there's so much misinformation out there. There were a few really great articles that where they did the investigative journalism and asked the questions and it was accurate. This is really, some of these policies were already in place. Already in place, exactly. You know, they're just updating them a little bit and they're getting word out that they're making progress here. And of course, this, some folks didn't really read through it and maybe saw the headline. And next thing you know, it's like, oh, they're going to pull you down off of Facebook and they're going to delete your account and everybody's up in arms about it. But I, I'm with you. This is just an update it's important to have and they're moving forward better late than ever into these areas where we need to monetize these things need to monetize it and as a musician don't you want your music protected through a copyright so that somebody else can't just take your music and throw it into their video and use it to promote their products that's what this is basically leading towards is if you don't own the music you can't use the music if you're in a band and playing your own music, you're fine. Don't worry. It's just like YouTube. You know, they have content ID at YouTube and yep. it identifies when someone is placing your music in their user generated content. And, uh, you know, that it's, it's a positive thing because then you can draw advertising dollars against those videos and not somebody else. Yeah. So don't panic if you're still hearing Deep it, breaths. seeing it. Deep breath. You're not getting shut down. This is all good. And, uh, you know, as it develops, we'll, we'll talk about it more in the future. Yep. Um, Special guest this week. Very cool conversation. Yeah, we had a good conversation. Carter Lee uh, from Soundfly. He's got a really cool new podcast you got to check out called Themes and Variations. And of course, our, our conversation, as it does sometimes, veered off into our passion for music. So it's a really fun conversation. Yeah, check it out. Carter Lee from Soundfly. Build a stunning band website in minutes with Bandzoogle. Go to bandzoogle.com to start your free 30-day trial and use the promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY to get 15% off the first year of any subscription. Today we have Carter Lee, Community Mentor Manager with Soundfly, um, and they have a new podcast called Themes and Variations, and uh, Carter's going to tell us about it. Carter, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Hey, thanks for having me, Mike. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me. Great to be on with you, gentlemen. Awesome. So tell us, tell us, well, first of all, before we get into that, yeah. I'm a big fan of Soundfly and have been an uh, avid reader, participant for, for a while. Tell people a little bit about Soundfly. Well, for, I mean, first, the fandom is definitely mutual. Uh, I've been enjoying uh, Music Biz Weekly uh, and digging into the podcast. So, and, and guys, I mean, seeing the amount of episodes you have out as we started our podcast, it's like, 
setting the bar very, very high. So I'm, I'm just so stoked. We're big fans of yours as well. Awesome. Thanks. Um, sorry, just a little bit about, uh, I, I think I just totally skipped your question. It was oh, a just little bit tell, about, tell me just a little bit about you and about Soundfly because yeah. for, for folks that don't know Soundfly, especially for our audience, yeah. it's perfect. Awesome. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a music online learning resource. We have a couple of different kind of services that we provide. Our premium and, and main service and one that we're most proud of is uh, setting up musicians with mentorship. So maybe you need to work with somebody just a few steps ahead of where you're at. Uh, we're really just trying to build the most active learning experience you can have. So we pair you with the mentor. We find a goal that you're super excited about working on. It might be finishing a record or a song or a single or promoting that. Uh, maybe you're just into lyrics or composition or, or like we get really granular with your goals and make sure it's something that you're excited to work on. And then we give you a ton of accountability and feedback. So, uh, you know, learning online, I love learning online. I tried to learn, you know, stock investing at the start of this pandemic. I've learned card tricks and stuff online and it's fun to learn stuff online, but sure is. without having, I think a little bit of accountability and feedback, it's really easy to kind of get stuck on the mud. A so you've bit. got kind of mentors, people who are experienced 100%. in songwriting, production, yes. engineering. I mean, just all aspects of, of the music business, which, which I love, <clears throat> excuse me, during this pandemic, you know, I, I play guitar. Mm -hmm. I wanted to learn uh, a little bit more about like finger picking styles, you know, and it's, this is the perfect time for people to kind of sharpen that saw, right? It is absolutely. I think even pre pandemic, the DIY model has become so much more prevalent. I mean, the, the most I've been in a lot of bands, the most successful band I've been in was started just totally bedroom producer style. And I think still has done that way. I mean, Mac DeMarco selling millions of records and still just makes records in his, in his living room. Right. So I think that that the more you can do on your own uh, from the, the writing, the conceptualization of a record to the actual mixing and, and production of it, the better. And I think now is absolutely a perfect time uh, to dive in and, and build those skills for sure. Yeah. So what does a community and mentor manager do? <laughs> what does your day look like? That's a really good question. I think because we're such a small team, the titles become kind of irrelevant. Uh, honestly, I love that title. I definitely do. And I, I wear it proudly, but we all wear so many different hats. There's only seven of us really. So I'll handle a little bit of like the sales side. I'll talk with prospective students a lot and do some goal setting with them. And then I'll, I'll look to what mentors might be the best fit. I train our mentors. Uh, I'm in charge of like a lot of hiring for our mentors. I handle the community side. I, I handle a lot of like, uh, we do some live streams, obviously the podcast and some content, uh, works that way. I'll handle some of our socials. Um, the day to day is different every single day. And uh, I mean, there certainly are like weekly tasks I got to take care of, but it's a really exciting gig because uh, each day is going to be a little bit different uh, from the last. Interesting. How, can you help people? Like, for example, I have a client right now mm -hmm. and this, she's, she's having trouble. She's having kind of a writer's block. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's, it's natural. I mean, we don't need to get into the politics of it, but our, our whole world is kind of upside down right now for a lot of yeah, reasons. It is. And it, she's really struggling with, you know, getting back on the saddle. Do you have mentors that help with songwriting? 
Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, whether it's lyrical, whether it's you know, writing block and, and finding techniques to, to get over those, those kind of things, definitely on the, the composition side too, like whether it's coming up with chords and harmony and, and melody. Oh, wow. But we have some really, really specific. Charlotte Yates is actually a brand new mentor. She's based in New Zealand. Uh, she is absolutely incredible when it comes to lyric writing. Raven Katz is another one of our just absolutely fantastic uh, lyric writing mentors. So we do have some mentors that are very skilled. Uh, Raven's based in Nashville, obviously a big songwriting hub. So uh, that goes with the cred for sure. But uh, two two fantastic uh, songwriters on our roster already. Fantastic. Yeah. I think that the, the thing that blew me away when I was looking over your site wasn't just, you know, the writing and playing mm-hmm. sort of stuff, which I do think is really, really important. But I was looking at things like um, production, Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so much to know and learn. And, and as you know, you know, with all the gear in the studio these days and uh, all the upgrades and the things that you can do with Pro Tools and all of that, I, I found that that was uh, really exciting. W- what would you say is where do most people land when they come in to get a little inspiration, some guidance, some mentorship, whatever? Where are most of them landing? Um, that's a really good question. I, I think that the, the general concept is really where most people would land and that is to finish a track or a record that happens a lot. And within that, it might be a little bit different. I think we're pretty even across the board, whether it's working on the mix of a record and developing those skills, or it's maybe working on the sound design or the composition writing. So the end goal is, is, is very similar. A lot of times where it's, I want to finish this track that I'm really proud of and take it from, you know, maybe just get something brand new to demo quality, or maybe you're further along and you want to take demo quality to, I can get this released. Um, so it's hard to say like specifically, I know, uh, to give you a course that's really popular, the art of hip hop production is one of our more popular ah. courses. Um, we, we do though tend to err on the side of finding our niche and, and create very niche courses. Um, we just launched an advanced synth uh, and patch design for producers, a very, very niche course where it's like uh, a teaching <laughs> people to get out of just presets on their synths. I don't know much about synthesis, but uh, John Hall, uh, my coworker, built the course and I've learned a ton about it through it. And that's just taking producers from like, if you're tired of plugging in a synth and just running a preset, you can dial in your own sounds or, or learn how to create sounds from popular songs. So that's obviously a course that is very, very narrow. So that's kind of our goal. We're a small company. We want to help people. And we think there are enough people out there that have similar goals that we can, we can definitely serve. So, I mean, the, that's a long winded answer to your question, but uh, oh, there's a lot of different goals yeah. that we're uh, trying to trying to serve as well. Yeah. And with, with these classes, how does it work? Like if I want, I look at your website and there's so much there. Do you have a subscription thing where I can kind of go in and do things? Is it really more just one area? How, how does that typically work? I'm so glad you asked that we do. We launched a subscription a few months ago because really for us, we didn't have a product where somebody could come to the website just kind of browse around a little bit and easily purchase something. I mean, the price point's certainly higher when you're working on a mentor and it's something, especially now in, in pandemic times, it's like, do I want to spend, you know, $350, $400 on a four week long, like really intensive music session or do I need to, to save uh, for the future? 
And you know, the, the subscription's super cheap. I think it's like 40 bucks a month and it gives you access to every course on the site. And you can easily come on the site, subscribe for a year or a month and then, and, and not really talk to a, somebody like myself, a representative, which will help you set goals. You still get that opportunity if you're a subscriber to kind of do some goal setting and, and dig a little bit deeper. But yeah, you can subscribe just to the courses on your own. That's cool. That's cool. So I, I see this thing hustle and this is the part that really jumped out at me, you know, like music business marketing. I mean, that's how, you know, Michael and I make our, our living. Yeah. Um, how, if there were experts in any of these fields, how do you become a mentor? Uh, we do have a mentor application process. I mean, it'd be as simple as applying on the, on the website and, and I would get it. A couple of coworkers would get it as well. And, and we're really good about checking that and just looking for like standout mentors that might be a really good fit. Um, then we do a quick interview and there's some challenge processes to that as well, just to make sure it's a good fit, but sure, we're always sure. looking. I mean, even now it's tough bringing on, on new people for, I think, in any business right now when you are thinking ahead and, and things are so up in the air. But it, we haven't shied away. We have brought a few mentors on uh, even during COVID times. It's like, hey, this person's fantastic. We want to definitely offer their skills to potential students. So yeah, yeah. just to apply at the website, we'd be happy to, to have a look. Yeah, I would be, I would think that maybe more people would be available to do that during this yeah. Um, pandemic. Look, there's a lot of folks out there in all of these fields that have a knowledge base. Of course, as you know, not everyone is a good teacher, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. You to, got to have the to, skills. You got to yeah. be have that that uh, personality and that that way about doing uh, doing business. You know, I we we laugh about this sometimes in business that you know not everybody's a good manager of people, but you know everybody has their role within the team. You know, my my wife is a teacher, and I know that you know there are great teachers and there are not so great teachers. It's you know it's not for everyone, but. I, I love the fact that there are things within here that you can go in and explore and learn, especially now where maybe, you know, especially in the music business, we've been hit so hard yeah. by COVID, you know, in touring and in merch and venues and road crew and holy cow. Um, I would encourage people to, take a look at this, take a look at Soundfly and explore because, you know, if I asked you what your job description is, you'd probably list off maybe eight things, but you do 80 things in a day. And it's so hard to kind of look at Soundfly and say, well, it just does A, B, and C. Right. Because in the time that I've spent with it, it does those 80 things. But also, um, you know, I do a weekly uh, newsletter called Your Morning Coffee, and I'm frequently putting in articles from uh, Flypaper. Um, can, you, can you talk a, a minute about what Flypaper is all about? Yeah, I, so I have a kind of cursory um, involvement with Flypaper. I'll write for it a little bit. My coworker, Jeremy Young, runs the blog and, and does a fantastic job. Fantastic job. job. It. Um, he is always churning out new content. I... 
one thing I do want to highlight a couple weeks ago, we, he did a, a whole music in prisons week. He, he talked to speech from arrested development who was making a record just with um, artists and, and really inmates in a, in a Richmond uh, um, incarceration, uh, incarceration facility. Right. So like, right, I mean, right. which is a jail. I don't know why I had to like spruce it up <laughs> like that, but that's, that's what it is. I was looking for like the buzzword, but no, it, there's a really powerful documentary called 16 bars out there. And Jeremy totally just, dug into that for an entire week so really i mean flypaper is so many different things uh, we highlight our student work um through student spotlights I, I have a hand in that just kind of like picking out like really awesome student works that we can we can share with the world um jeremy will do editorials we'll have people on our staff do editorials so it's it's a really uh solid blog that is not afraid to shift gears on a dime like we'll do all kinds of uh fun diff and like really ambitious um focused projects throughout a week or throughout a month and and really yeah i can't say enough good things about jeremy and, and yeah. uh, how he how he leads that blog so how does that lead into the podcast? Let's let's talk about the podcast. Oh, is it how does that compare to Flypaper? Is it similar? Is it different? I think, I think it's similar in that. So like we've definitely been doubling down on content uh, the last little bit, and obviously your goal with content in any business is that eventually people that are enjoying your content might take a chance on you as as a company and and might take a chance on you as being a customer, but really my view in any content that I've been creating with Soundfly and really it's been doing live streams. The biggest thing though is the podcast that I've been doing is to allow the personality of the company to come through a little bit. I think being an online business, it's so difficult. You can have amazing copy on your homepage. It's like, we're actually really good people like work with us, you know, but that's, it just doesn't really come through right. And the website can be fantastic and that's awesome. And it has to be dialed in, but having, kinds of content that allow us to be ourselves flypaper absolutely does that uh shares our viewpoints on music and the podcast does that i think in, in, in an even like higher level where we're talking we're off the cuff a lot um you can be very personal you can be yourself we're bringing in guests that that really know their stuff when it comes to a particular theme uh for an episode so that's really the whole goal i think for me and in, in the podcast and in our content is just how can we be more personal how can we show uh, kind of the world, what we're about as individuals and not just, not just the company. What, what are some of the, the topics you've already explored? Uh, so yeah, every, every episode has a theme that will, and it, get, it opens up the door for myself and guests to pick a song related to that theme. Uh, the episode that dropped yesterday was on epic songs. So that could be, that's such a vague theme to me. I picked a dream theater tune. I was a huge dream theater cool. fan. Under um, Peruvian like skies, what was it? With them, but it was uh, the Glass Prison from Six okay. Degrees of uh, of Inner Turbulence. I, uh, I mean, Train of Thought is still my favorite Dream Theater record, and I wanted to pick like Stream of Consciousness or like one of those tunes, but it ended up being the Glass Prison because it hit so many different uh, checks on on my checklist that I wanted to hit. So, um, my co like Ian, our our CEO and founder, was on this episode. He picked uh, Maurice Ravel's Bolero, definitely a very different piece of music. And uh, my coworker and actually wife, Mejia, who's been with the company even longer than I have, uh, picked uh, Alan Parsons' uh, The Raven. So an adaptation of Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven. I'd never heard. Apparently, it's like the first effective use of vocoder. So like, that's the kind of thing we're trying to start these debates of like, no, my song's epic. You're so, like, we don't get into any really heated discussions, but it's the kind of discussions that you would have. It's so subjective, have right? Exactly, exactly. Our first 
Uh, I'm actually curious for your guys' maybe selection on this. Our first episode was songs from the first album I ever bought. So mine was from uh, Green Day's Insomnia. Can you guys remember the first record you actually remembered spending your own hard-earned cash? I'll let Michael go first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, so I, I, I remember the absolute first album I ever bought because I was just discovering music and it's like, okay, I guess I got to buy an album, but you have no idea. Cause I didn't have an older brother or sister that, you know, quite often guides you. Yeah. And it was a brewer and ship. No, 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 wait a second. It was the love and spoonful. Well, nice. I, I bought it at a garage sale for like a quarter. Um, I can't tell you what song off of that. And yeah. from there, I think I got a Brewer and Shipley album and then maybe an ABBA album. Nice. But, you know, that that was my period. Again, you're just feeling out music. You just don't mm -hmm. know. All of a sudden there's music and you're like, I don't know. I don't know what's good or bad. You're just buying. Um, the first album I probably actually remember going to seek out and buy was Kiss Destroyer. Ooh, that's a good choice. Yeah. That's a yeah. choice you can be proud of. I think it's it's funny, like, and how different it was discovering music. You mentioned, like, not having an older brother or sister. That's how – I didn't have an older brother or sister, but my friends did. And that's how I remember discovering music. I, I grew up in Canada. We did have much music, which was, like, our MTV, and I would watch sure. that all the time, sure. and that would uh, hit me to new stuff. But like, yeah, how people discover music now, it's like TikTok, right? A lot of times if you were like, sure. I was nine when I bought my first record. And now I think of like how I might have been able to do that. Um, not, not to turn the tables and become the interviewer, but Jay, I'm curious if you, if you remember what your first. Uh, oh, absolutely. We, we had this little game, you know, I, I worked for Universal for 18 years and we met with a lot of artists and managers and we had this little game we would play just to break the ice, you know, when we were having lunch or whatever. And it was like, name the first, um, <clears throat> first album you bought with your own money the second one was you know like what is your favorite movie um and there's one other question that i, that I can't recall but it, it was really interesting hearing what people's first uh records were because for me i i was the youngest of four my older brother was really into the stones like hardcore had all the bootlegs radio shows all of that stuff so i kind of grew up listening to that <clears throat> my sister was really into motown so i was listening to all that nice. motown stuff and like michael alluded to it wasn't urban hip-hop edm country it was just music mm -hmm. on the radio in those days it was you know poco and pure prairie league alongside of wild cherry and <clears throat> you know uh earth wind and fire I, we didn't even think about those kinds of things it was just music <clears throat> sorry so um when i was growing up my grandfather had a barber shop and right next door was a jukebox company and we could go in there and sometimes they would sell the 45s like i think it was like four for a dollar or something wow. and we would grab those and i remember the first time i bought them it was like share gypsy tramps and thieves it was carol king i feel the earth move <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. But the first album I bought with my own money, like brand new was uh, Elton John, um, Captain Fantastic, nice. because I had gotten a used version of uh, Yellow Brick Road, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. And I remember when that album came out, I, I couldn't wait to get it. And it came with like two booklets inside, right? One with lyrics and one with the story. And it, it just had 
I just thought all albums were supposed to be like that. Yeah. Right. Ended up being disappointed later. <laughs> it, you know, it, it's, I, I've, I've got another podcast called three sides of the coin, which is all about kiss. And, and we always talk about how timeline is so important. Like where you were in yeah. your life as yes. stuff was happening and, you know, not to be like, you know, grandpa sitting on the porch, but we talk about how, you know, I'm, I'm 56. So as a kid, you're right. There wasn't TikTok. There, you know, there was nothing. The influence for music was either siblings, friends, radio. or radio. That was yeah. it. That was it. TV had no influence. There was no video. There was no video nope. shows. There nope. was nothing. Movies had the slightest little influence because maybe it was the James Bond opening theme song that you heard. Um, but, you know, the, the, the thrill of discovering and seeking out music back then was a completely different experience. I mean, first of all, you had to go somewhere. Yeah. You had to sit there. You had to work for it. You had had, had to work (laughs) to make some money. You had to make a conscious effort of mom, can you please drive me to the mall and let me shop for a half hour or ride your bike with your buddies to the local mall and seek out a record store and flip, flip, flip. And you know, that scene from Almost Famous where, um, was it Penny who said, you know, anytime you get lonely, just go to a record store and yeah. visit all your old friends. <laughs> that is so true. Yeah. Or somebody who grew up in that, that era, you know what that meant. Because, yes, I would go into religiously, whatever it was, Tower Records, Great American Music, Music mm-hmm. Land, every Tuesday. You just start on one aisle and you just flip and go through everything because I also didn't want to trust the record store employees that put up, this is what we think is good. I'm like, you know, okay, that's kind of cool, but you're missing all of this other stuff. And I want to see what else is there and how many times you would buy an album simply because the album cover. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or, 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 um, a producer. Oh, you know, I, I'd heard this album before and it was produced by so-and-so and and this new album came out. I've never heard of the band, but it's the same producer. Mm -hmm. It's gotta be pretty good if he's working with them, you know, totally different. Now. Yeah. I'm also at the same time sitting there going, I love my streaming. Absolutely love it. Cause I love, I love having, the world of music at my fingertips at a moment's notice. But there's something lost in that discovery process. There, there is. I think the thing that, that stays, you mentioned timeline and how important that is. I, I have discovered that as I, like in just doing research for every one of these episodes and picking my own song, I think that's still definitely prevalent. It's like, what's going on in your life? Uh, did something good happen that day that, that also happened to coincide with this song that's now very special to you, you know, and it gives you back all those great nostalgic feelings. Like, like I picked the Green Day record and it probably was the first album I ever bought. And I had the cassette and my dad and I would listen to it all the time. And that just brought back so many good memories of like dad driving me to hockey practice, you know, in the morning and we would listen to that, that record. So that, that's really what we're going for, for the podcast is to like 
develop the, those warm and fuzzy nostalgic feelings when you can think back to the the tracks exactly, that you have exactly yeah. i mean in my in my kids podcast that's what we we strive for is just yeah. ch- tell the stories evoke emotions bring back memories because we've all got that memory that feeling now whether my feeling mm-hmm. came because i went to a record store to get kiss destroyer or a 12 year old kid first discovered Kiss Destroyer because dad was playing it at home on a CD or they saw it on MTV. Doesn't matter. We, you all experience that moment of discovery, that little thrill, that little chill. Yeah. You excited that it's something that connects with you. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that a lot of people miss is that there is no wrong answer. And if I can plug three sides, one of the things, one of the uh, ongoing themes there is it doesn't matter if you became a fan yesterday through a TikTok video. It doesn't matter if you became a fan because you heard something in a movie or you're like me, it was your first concert in 1977. It doesn't make that person a bigger fan or less of a fan than I am. Music is subjective that way, right? And discovery mm-hmm. is so different today with streaming and with the internet you can track things down you know outtakes b-sides live recordings influences you can if you like a producer you can find out everything that they've worked on which pretty quickly and easily yeah i do miss the days of i used to work at tower records i miss those days a lot but we're in kind of a new golden era you know when it comes to music discovery absolutely yeah can't argue with any of that. <laughs> it, it's just, I, I find it's always talking about music for the most part will always connect with everybody. Yeah. Because everybody's got a musical moment. And I, I, I want to say I, that there's been studies that prove that music is one of the, the greatest triggers of memories and emotions. Absolutely. A yeah. single, a single note, a single lyric can inst- as you were talking about can you hear it today and it will bring you back 40 years to the exact moment you'll have the the smell you'll remember the smells you'll remember the feeling you'll remember exactly where you are music does that better than almost anything else out there yeah, definitely. I, I I can't cite the studies either, but I've definitely seen a number of clips of like very old musicians and battling with dementia and Alzheimer's. And all of a sudden you put a piano in front of them and it comes right. back. You know, it's, it's just absolutely yep. incredible, the, the power of it for sure. So tell us a little bit more about the podcast because it sounds really interesting. How many episodes deep are you right now? <laughs> we are only three episodes deep right now. So we got a ways to go, but we did only launch uh, middle of August. So, yeah. uh, and we do release every second Wednesday. Um, the beauty of that, you know, I have four more recorded episodes now in the vault, so to speak. So those are, those are ready to come out. Our next episode will be featuring uh, Nira Russell, fantastic musician uh, herself. And it's all focused on synths and uh, songs with iconic synth patches to kind of coincide. Obviously you can see the native marketing aspect of that featuring yeah. like our new course uh, there as well. But I mean, it, it's been an absolute labor of love for me. I've always wanted to do a podcast. We've always wanted to do one. I've been at Soundfly for two years and I remember my first week discussing like we should do a podcast and we just never ever came close to finding the right format which would be like, I mean, you guys know if you're going to 
do it for the long haul, you have to find the the thing that you're passionate about talking That's about, right. right? And the format that you're passionate about. And we finally found, I mean, uh, Mahea kind of came up with the idea that let's put a theme behind each episode that can relate to a song. And then we'd have panelists on that would select a song related to that theme. It's been really easy. I've been really fortunate. Uh, you know, I was a touring musician uh, in, in my life before Soundfly. And I've worked with a lot of different um, bands and, and in a lot of areas. I was working for a nonprofit too that worked in music before this. So I have a good network now that I'm able to pull from and, and have people that I just love to talk music with. And all of a sudden we're just rolling tape on it and getting a podcast out of it. So it's yeah. been a lot of fun. Uh, the production side of it is great. It like the, the music production skills transfer over for the most part. Um, it's definitely taken a lot longer and I like the editing process is longer. We'll take a two hour conversation, will it down into a 45 minute episode, oh, which wow. is great. Cause I can avoid looking silly on, on my own <laughs> podcast. So we're yeah, not Carter, let, let, let me ask you because yeah. you know you you take a theme and you're talking about a song are you actually playing the song during the podcast and if so how are you handling copyrights and we're handling so we are we've had lawyers uh, look at it our own lawyers we're, and there are other podcasts that that do do this we're very much within the fair use of of the podcast as long as like, it's purely educational and we do use clips and we do use clips for it um another podcast that i actually do want to shout out that's very good at this would be strong songs uh i would highly recommend anybody checking it out we do play clips i'll play them in real time using audio routing software that i have so that our guests and myself can hear it as it happens and actually comment on the track as it's happening and then i'll add clips in uh, afterwards that are a little more polished and, and and focused in stereo but that is a very good question it's something we we had to look at uh, a lot more thoroughly when we were getting started sure. have, look at have, have you, have you run doing. into issues where even though you might use just a short clip and it falls under fair use mm-hmm. um you know you post an episode up to youtube there's no way to explain fair use to youtube because it's all automated With the algorithm right and the, you know and and I've even encountered iTunes is all, can automatically detect audio you know music mm-hmm. and they'll flag they'll flag it for a copyright violation even though you may have acquired the rights or doing it legally. I mean, have you figured out how to avoid those issues? We haven't had issues come up yet. I know in, in just podcasting research, it's a great idea to put the full uh, length episode on YouTube. We have not done that. We put highlights on our YouTube page, um, but we are on every streaming service possible. And we have not come up with any issues yet through Apple podcasts or uh, Stitcher or, or I mean, Amazon podcast, I think just launched where we're going to be there yeah. shortly in Google podcast. We haven't had any issues come up yet. Uh, it's definitely something that we're, we're staying uh, on top of as, as every episode comes out making sure that we handle everything as, as best we can. Um, but no issues yet. It, really the biggest thing is making sure that we're not playing clips unless it directly relates to a point that that actually illuminates a more educational point and and really makes sense to include the clip we wouldn't gratuitously just put like i love this track let's just right. put this track in right let's so that's that's been the big thing uh for us is just to make sure we're doing it uh, by the book as, as best we can at the outset yeah. and hopefully we don't have any of those issues uh down the road yeah there's another really great uh podcast um called song exploder oh yeah amazing at Um, netflix just optioned it for for a series i think i just found that out today like that's great yeah yeah, well deserved for sure haven't listened to uh to it 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 even if it's not a song that you know 
And it's so fun seeing how the sausage is made because everybody writes their songs differently. And one of the oddest ones that I had listened to was on uh, Weezer. And uh, it was so crazy how, you know, he puts together like a spreadsheet full of different lines at different cadences and syllables. And we'll just kind of draw almost randomly from those things and how he will hum out the guitar solo and then give that recording to his lead guitar yeah. player. And there's no right or wrong answer, right? That's the beauty of it. I've not, I didn't hear that episode. Do you remember what song uh, they broke down on Song Exploder? <sighs> no. I'm just hoping it's Say It Ain't So because that's by far my favorite Weezer song. And there's, there's so many. Well, I mean, you can do talking, so many I'm different tracks. Google it, but Thanks. Um, it's, there's so many great um, podcasts out there. But yeah. what, what I love about yours is being, you know, having that theme, yeah. talking about songs. And as Michael said, you know, there's such a visceral response to songs. And there's also that discovery. If you're a music fan, you're hungry for, you know, learning more and, and uh, being exposed to new music. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's super important too. Yeah, it can definitely spark those debates too. I've had friends call me after they listen to an episode and be like, your choice sucked for this episode. And uh, I will debate them to the end of the day for that because I, I have to, you know, make sure that I'm, like for instance, the last, we did Epic Songs, or no, sorry, the synth episode, I was going to choose Prince's 1999. Fantastic example of an iconic synth patch, but I don't listen to enough Prince, and I should, and that, that's a problem that I need to rectify for sure. But I instead decided like, I need to pick something more authentic to myself so I can actually stand behind uh, the track that I'm going to make, because if anybody has you know, an issue with the selection that I make, at least I know I made it authentically. That, that's the big thing for me. You know, that's um, the great... That's the, the, go ahead, Jay. Go ahead, Okay, just really quickly, it, uh, Rivers Cuomo, um, and it's the song um, Summery Lane and Drunk Done. Now it's all okay. coming back to me. Nice. Um, and that was from, believe it or not, April of 2016. Yeah. Uh, that particular episode came out. And um, Rishi Keshawari, who um, does the uh, podcast, was mm -hmm. also the co-host of the West Wing Weekly, which was <laughs> one of my favorite podcasts because I'm a wing nut. But um, it, you got to listen to that one. Um, Spin Magazine even did a, uh, an article on it because it's just such a, I don't know of anybody who writes a song the way he does. But again, there's no right or wrong answer, right? I, I can't imagine Rivers Cuomo doing it that way. That was super illuminating. You don't, I don't picture him with an Excel spreadsheet <laughs> out and writing. You know, I, I want, I want to say I'm a, just a, a mild Weezer fan, but I want to say I remember an article at some point that said, you know, Weezer had the songwriters and Weezer had basically felt like they figured out the formula to coming up with a hit song that it's this with this, with this. And as you were describing it there, Jay, I'm like, okay, I could see that yeah. being his, okay, I know these five words are going to be great. They're going to be perfect. I just don't have the riff to put it to yet. Right. But, right. you know, he's got a well-organized, let me pick this piece, this piece, this piece, stitch them all together, and it's got all the hooks and all the melodies yeah. and, and everything you need. That's potentially exactly be right. a hit song yeah and then yeah. the other one there was a really great piece out on fountains of wayne and there i think it was with their lead singer chris collinwood talking about 
a formulaic approach to some of their songs because they were criticized that some of them had the kind of the same chord structure and but you can you know i'm a musician i've toured as a musician too and when you look at the breakdown of songs especially hit songs they do kind of follow a similar pattern and a similar mm -hmm. key that they're written in and there's these great youtube videos and, and i'm sure um carter you've seen some of these where someone will start you know playing the same kind of chord structure over and over and then he'll just lay down the lyrics of one song he's singing and then he'll or, sing yeah. song over the same chords right the the axis of awesome that's uh, right it's it. it like 40 or 50 songs that are all the one <laughs> the four five awesome. uh six or one six four five progression that's right um, that's it. yeah there's i mean it's crazy like that that lineage and hit songs it you think like, well, that's happening today. It absolutely is. It was also happening in the forties with jazz. Like, like the popular chord progressions are, are like, there's a through line from those all the way to popular music. And there's a reason why it works. And it's sometimes like pretty unexplainable, honestly, like simple chord, <laughs> chord progression, singable melody, um, super, uh, like Familiar. popular chorus or hook or like with words that you can really, really resonate with you. I mean, that's some of the formula, I'm sure, but there's definitely some secret sauce to it too that uh, <laughs> it's hard to put your finger on. <laughs> so, so Carter, you said yep. uh, the podcast is available on all the traditional platforms. It is. It's everywhere. Uh, Apple Podcast, uh, Amazon Now, Google Podcast, Stitcher, uh, obviously Spotify. Um, we do run a blog episode every day, every Wednesday that it comes out, so you can listen to it right on Flypaper as well. We actually also have a Spotify collaborative playlist for every single episode. So based on the theme, we'll put a big oh. playlist together, and then we encourage listeners to add our epic playlist that started yesterday already at 10 hours long which is inherently epic in <laughs> wow. its own right um of some of, one is. of those is uh, as a dream theater song i put in there it's like 45 minutes long so that that'll help but uh it's it's really cool to see everybody else's tastes like across the internet and across the world that that's free to add their own tracks to so I yeah, like the collaborative good. approach yeah. to that. It really, you know, you're, you're part of the team when you're, it, when you're doing absolutely. that. And absolutely. And Michael, what's that, what's that cool uh, playlist that you put together? Is it rocks, not dead? Rock is not dead. And I love that that's collaborative. And, and that was one of the first playlists that I started kind of uh, dinking around with that was that way. And I think that when you're inclusive like that, it just makes it more compelling and more interesting because Michael yeah. and I agree on like 90% of these things. We're about the same age. We grew up in the same era. You know, we were, we're, we're brothers from another mother, but there, there are some things that I'm sure I could turn him on to some tracks he hasn't heard and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And that's the exciting part uh, for me is that discovery. Yep. Yeah, very much so. I mean, it's, it's always fun to talk music because you're never wrong. <laughs> I mean, Absolutely. you know, it, I, I've learned that as, as, as a Kiss fan, it's like, you're never wrong. You can, what I like is what I like. Mm -hmm. You can't give me any information that's going to tell me what I like is wrong. And, yeah. and, you know, it's one of those things where you can have that debate for hours because in the back of your mind, you're like, I'm not, con I don't have to convince you of anything and you're surely not convincing <laughs> me of anything. Yeah. Right. It's like the movie High Fidelity, right? I worked in, in record stores, you know, like four years for an indie and, and almost five years at Tower Records. And 
there was right and wrong and you did have those snobs in the classical room that yeah. would say you know no if you're not listening to franz list then you're you know that's not classical or whatever and you know we try not to fall into that category but there's this old joke, you know, I, I, I don't judge people on the color of their skin. I judge them by their record collection. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. But I think there's always, there's always that discovery angle, right? There, there's always that we all have our favorites. And I love having the debate, even with, with uh, Three Sides guy, there was a, guys, there was a really cool episode on there about, you know, songs like lesser known songs you know mm -hmm. from albums you know and what are the best ones right or and of course it's so subjective but it's a great conversation to have and i love that high fidelity kind of thing where you know jack black just goes absolutely berserk and no you can't have that song on this playlist it's got to be you know but people are passionate about it right i i i love every once in a while when you know and and this isn't the way it always is but more often than not, it seems like it's a musician who comes in and says, well, I'm a guitar player and I can tell you what's a good guitar song. Sound Having gone to music school, you're right. You're absolutely right. That I, happens just, all the time. I'm just <laughs> like, really you does. have no more expertise on what sounds good because yeah. you're a musician than no. I do. You know how I, to play it. You may know how to write it and record it absolutely but you can't sit here and go this is the better one because this has a better guitar player and listen to the way his notes are I'm yeah, like, i wish it worked that way if it did then then these jazz musicians would be selling <laughs> billions of records in, in, but in malmstein would have yeah, 100 right. million albums sold yeah how many who, yeah. who sold more records Ingve or the ramones exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah no that's just like uh musicians insecurity i mean i went to music school i'm a musician for sure but those insecurities shining through big time it's like i spent all this money to learn how to play an instrument it's like yeah. well that doesn't it, it right. matters to an extent for sure but like not when it comes to taste man like it, no it's it really about doesn't. the song right yeah. it's a meritocracy yeah. it's about the song people yeah. like when i was young i remember listening to steely dan i oh, had yeah. no idea they were great musicians i learned that later i yeah. liked them because they had great songs same with toto i didn't know those guys were like amazing players until years later when i yeah. started playing um guitar and i'm like wow those guys are really talented but green day songs are pretty easy to play they're yep. pretty major key major chord power chord kind of stuff but that doesn't make them not great songs no definitely i i i love a good guitar solo as much as the next guy but if it's you know i love jazz too but i, I can i've been in a number of clubs where the solo maybe goes on a lot longer than it needs oh, to you and you just kind of get get turned off <laughs> what do you play carter I, i'm a bass player so right, stand yeah. up electric uh, i wish i played upright i play electric and and i mean i I play synth too but when i was you know touring i was i was playing electric uh just a classic fender j or p bass for the most part and and that's uh, that's how I was how I was making it. Um I get like I I did get into jazz a lot. I played a ton of jazz and fusion hip hop I was really into. I lived in New York before Los Angeles and I was playing a ton of hip hop. Um the the group I was most recently in the Maria's was like indie kind of soul or like uh psychedelic soul, I guess would be the, the way if you if you listen to Tame Impala or anything like that, sure, or like sure. Mac Demar, like that synth wave shoegaze kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. I was definitely uh, more involved in that since I think it's kind of like an LA 
thing. It's like where I've been has definitely influenced what music I've been playing uh, for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big, I, I played bass years ago and nice. yeah, there's, there's, you know, there's the Stanley Clarks and the Jocko oh, yeah. races of the world and stuff, but then you'll see somebody like uh, a friend of mine, Matt Bissonette used to play bass with Rick Springfield. He now plays bass with Elton John. His brother is yeah. Greg Bissonette. Yeah, right? that's yeah, yeah. But you can find on YouTube him with a fretless bass doing a Jocko Pastorius thing. I mean, he's ridiculously talented. But the thing is with bass is I think you you need to um, perfect your craft and then simplify it. And yep. it also comes down to you got to play in the pocket. It's got to swing. And 100%. you watch those good bass players play, and, man, they are in the pocket with the drummer. They're, you know, yeah. I mean, you know as well as anyone, when you get that kind of magic going, then the heads start to bob in the crowd, right? That's the most important thing. I, I went down the Jocko rabbit hole as well, like every other bass player to ever pick up the instrument that, that spent some time on it and tried to play like that. And then eventually, like I think I heard Pino Palladino on some D'Angelo stuff. It's like, my God, I, I want to play like that. It's hard to do. It definitely is. Like it's hard in its own way to like find the like exact way to play a note with the right tone and the right bounce and the right soul. And it takes so much time. But um, but you're absolutely right. The most important thing, like we were talking earlier, is to serve the song. And like that's it. It's not. Maybe you can take a bass solo, but like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it's you know, best to just like dial it in. And and and, and I'll always say because I always come to this as a fan because I'm not a musician, but you never know what part of a song is going to cause the goose goosebumps on right. somebody's arm. And it, right. the same song can have two different things. For one person, it can be the solo. For another person, it's literally the lyric, not even the melody, not the yeah. music. It's the words that connect with them and they go, oh my God, that's written about me. And, and I think to some extent, people forget that there isn't one thing because musicians are always looking for what's that one thing that's going to yep. make this a hit song. Silver bullet. You don't yep. know what the one thing is because all, all, all three of us can listen to the same song and something different is going to give each of us that's a chill. Right. That's the mm -hmm. beauty of it, right? There's yeah. no, but, there's but no the, silver bullet. There's exactly. No one. The fact that that song can do that in three different ways to three different people means it's a pretty good song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always look at songs like, could you play this just on an acoustic guitar or just on a piano? And does the song just stand up like that? And I use an example yep. sometimes of like the Sex Pistols. People think of them as this punk rock group, you know, maybe noisy, whatever. But those songs with Steve Jones, they're terribly melodic. I mean, they are super hooky. It's power pop. If you listen to it today, mm -hmm. you play those on an acoustic guitar and guess what? They hold up. One of my favorite artists right now is uh, Andy Schaaf. Uh, it's like a Canadian singer songwriter. I don't love him just because he's Canadian. I'm Canadian, but that might have something to do with it. But he has some very highly produced records for sure. But then he'll play the same song of just himself singing and playing guitar. And it still, it hits even harder sometimes when you think of what's not there that was on the record. But I, I could not agree with that point more. And if you're writing a song, yeah, does it stand up? alone like I'll, if i'm writing a track I'll, I'll just have the bass i play keys a little bit but it's mostly bass it's like can i make it work this way before i add all the bells and whistles and all the production and everything that's the <laughs> well, most well, important well, well the lyrics work without any yes. music 
yeah. any music at all, yeah. if I just read those lyrics, could I get a little bit of a chill and go, oh my God, he's saying something. Definitely. And the melody is like, if you, when you do add melody, is it singable? Is it going to get yep. stuck in your yeah. head? Is That's the most important thing. I, I yeah. agree. You know, it's, it's gotta, it's gotta stick to your head. Mm -hmm. So listen, we're running out of time, Carter. Yeah. We could talk to you all day, but <laughs> likewise, tell, tell people, you know, where can they find the, the podcast? Where can they learn more uh, about Soundfly, Flypaper, all yeah. of those great things that you guys uh, are doing? Soundfly, just simply soundfly.com. Um, and we'd have plenty of links like flypapers, soundfly.flypaper.com, I believe. Um, it's a little bit longer of an extension there, but, uh, you'll, you'll find it if you search Google soundfly it. flypaper for sure. <laughs> uh, the podcast themes and variation, uh, it's out every other Wednesday. Uh, so our next episode will be out in two weeks, uh, featuring Nero Russell. Uh, we have a lot of awesome guests coming up. Uh, a good friend of mine, actor Ari Stidham is going to be on the podcast. Nice. Uh, we've got an Emmy award winner now, a uh, friend of mine, Huey Stonefish. Just won a daytime Emmy for his work on a track with Jason Alexander. Uh, that's important to me because I'm a Seinfeld fan. So me I was too. like very stoked on that. Uh, he'll be on an upcoming episode. So yeah, every two weeks, you find themes and variation everywhere uh, you get your podcasts. And you guys, of course, have an open invitation to jump on themes uh, whenever uh, whenever you're thank available. You. Any, anytime, you need, anytime you need a guest, just reach yeah. out. Awesome. Yeah, and, and on, the, on the flip side, we would love to have you back on to continue the conversation. But uh, it's, it's awesome to talk to another music guy. Awesome. Yeah, I'd love to be back. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Thanks so All much right. for joining us, Carter. Oh. Take care. See you, bye Carter. Bye. Discmakers.com. Use code FREEBIZ for ground shipping on CD orders of 100 units or more, $150 value. You know what, what made that fun is how we just went off into talking about music. Yeah, we, and we went way off target or off off topic, but that's the beautiful part. Well, first of all, of the podcast, ours and his, but we're just music junkies and music freaks. And it's when you get somebody else on the show who's got that passion, man, we could talk for days. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love the concept that, that, that they're doing with their podcast. I mean, yeah. you definitely check it out. I mean, music, music is the greatest thing to cause debates. It will always <laughs> cause a debate. Now, you know, you could question whether it's a good de debate or a bad debate, but everybody's got an opinion about a song. That's right. And it's just how much are they willing to stand behind their opinion? That's right. So it's always fun talking music. Yeah. Um, so, of course, if, if you are watching us on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Spotify, follow us, iTunes, subscribe, leave us a review and a rating. Um, and just one more time, quick reminder, we are now available on Amazon Music. Yeah. Amazon Music has got podcasts now, people. So just head over to Amazon Music and you can search for the Music Biz. And you were ahead of the curve on that one, Michael. I mean, you got in there fast and they just launched and boom. They just launched. I think, I know it's in Amazon Music for sure. I suspect it will be in audible.com shortly because I think Amazon's podcast platform is going to be music and audible. Yeah, I hope so. We, we so, know that they own them. So yeah, yeah, they, they own them. So it just makes sense. But I can tell you, I found it yesterday, definitely in Amazon music. You can search weekly podcast. And of course, just a quick shout out. Thank you to Hypebot. 
and bands in town for everything you do to support us and band Zoogle and disc makers for continuing to sponsor the music biz weekly podcast. That's it, everybody. We'll see you next week.